Hello and welcome to the Friday the 13th edition of the We Ginger Dugcast with me, Paul Kavanagh. And today I've got a new person to interrupt and talk all over the top of. It's Craig Cairns, who's the multimedia editor of The National. Journalist. Oh, I, journalist. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for the promotion, but oh, sorry. let me speak to Callum yeah. afterwards. Oh, we can indeed. <laughs> I don't think we any more money on it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, yeah, I was just going to say... Then we got interrupting you already. I know, an interesting set of results last night, I think, is the least we can say about it. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a lot better than I was expecting for Scotland. Um, I'd have been happy for 42-43 for the SNP. Uh, finally, they've ended up with 48, if you include Neil Hanvey and um, Kirkcaldy. Uh, so, yeah, so it's a really good result, and we saw the back of a lot of Tories. Um the Christine Hare was the first one to go in Angus, and now the Angus Tories know what it feels like to be me. Here today, gone tomorrow. Nice. How long have you been saving that one up for? Uh, yeah, since last night. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it's been quite a good night. Um, we got rid of seven Tory MPs. Um, sadly, we'd never get rid of, we didn't make a clean sweep, but the predictions of the SNP, you know, storming them taking like well over 50 odd seats I think was really dependent on the Brexit party splitting the vote. They did say uh, at the outset that that was what they were least um, confident about yeah. the produ- prediction of the of the exit poll uh, they, they, John Curtis did say quite early on that they thought they might have overshot it and it seems like uh, that, that is well, what happened. They, they said they didn't have so many data points in Scotland as they did in other parts of the yeah, UK. Yeah that was interesting actually Yeah, and then there's a lot of marginal seats in Scotland as well so, I was really dreading it. Actually, the result of the the exit poll. I was I went for an early bath, you know, because uh, so, I was going to be up all night watching the results. And I was lying in the bath thinking, shit, shit, you know, is this going to be two thousand and seventeen all over again? Because I remember, you know, when that result flashed up in the exit poll in two thousand and seventeen, and it was like thirty odd, and it was like, oh shit, mm-hmm. and it was so much worse than we'd anticipated. Yep. Um, but see, it seems like there's been a bit of a reverse of what's happened uh, in 2017. So 2015, uh, there was a landslide victory for the SNP. Some of that was kind of reversed at the 2017 election. Yes. And then last night, it seems to have gone back the other way. Aye. I know it's not as simplistic as that, but the turnout was up a little bit. Uh, you'd like to think that um, there was more SNP voters motivated more by this election than they were in 2017. It seems that way. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. And also that the Labour vote collapsed. And it looks mm-hmm. like what the Tories, I think, were banking on Labour voters going to them mm-hmm. in order to facilitate Brexit. Yeah. And it looks like what's happened is that Labour voters have gone to the SNP. Meanwhile, Remain uh, voting Conservatives have not turned out to vote or have gone to one of the other parties. Mm-hmm. Um, there certainly seems to be, that certainly seems to be what happened in North East Fife, which was the only seat that the SNP lost, mm-hmm. where there seems to have been, uh, you know, if, if you look at the vote change, um, it seems to be that the drop in the Tory vote was mirrored by an increase in the Lib Dem vote, so it looks as though what's happened there is that Remain leaning Tories have gone Lib Dem. Yeah. So, the fact that the Lib Dem vote, all in all, actually held up pretty well uh, makes it all the more remarkable that 
Joe Swinson lost a seat? Well, I, I think if you, um, during the campaign, admit that you would nuke your constituents without a second thought, then exactly. I don't think it's very yeah. difficult to then mobilise those constituents yeah, to vote against you. Aye. She wasn't exactly popular locally. No, her approval rating uh, fell through the... Sorry, her disapproval rating fell through the floor during the aye. campaign. Her, her approval rating stayed pretty steady at around 20 but uh, her disapproval rating was around the same at the start of the campaign and it doubled to the Aye, 40s during really. the campaign it, pretty much when she started making public appearances yeah she really turned people off she was like total people just didn't take to her at all right. but still there is a silver lining for her mm-hmm. at least she no longer has to pretend that she lives in Mulgay <laughs> yeah she doesn't yeah I know, but she's gone from tipping herself to be the next Prime Minister. I mean, it's such a disastrous campaign. I, I mean, you, the Lib Dems probably overall in the UK, it's... They, they ended maybe, up... They, they, maybe they were not a disaster, but it's not been no, great. It was a I mean, the Lib Dems were claiming that they were going to hoover up all the Remain votes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's, what they were, that's what they were... That's what their pitch was. And yet they ended up with fewer MPs than they started with in 2017. Yeah. You know, they had 12 in 2017. They've now only got 11. So not only did they lose one, uh, they all, like Joe Swinson, they also lost effectively all the ones that had come over to them. In the meantime, the Labour MPs that had come over to the Lib Dems and the Tory MPs that had come over to the Lib Dems, they all went as well. So the, the Lib Dems went backwards quite Significantly, not as much as the Labour Party did. The Labour Party did disastrously. I mean, we're we're next for Labour. I mean, my instinct tells me that they move more to the centre now, and they they, they drop this kind of lurch to the left and um, and go more Blairite. Um, but. There seems to be a lot of noises from Corbyn himself that he wants to protect the ideology and hand it on to somebody similar-minded. Um, and there's been a few other people in the party that said they want to keep them at the, on the left but have someone more electable than Corbyn. But uh, where, do you, where do you see the party going from here? I think they're going to be in opposition for a long, long time. That's where I see them. Um, they're going to... I, I, just, I don't know. It just seems to me it's like Shades and Michael Foot. You know, back in 1983, uh, Michael Foot, he was taking the Labour Party to the left, uh, he was going to take on Margaret Thatcher, and the Labour Party lost badly, and it just mired itself in disputes and infighting that caused it to lose election after election to the Tories, and I just have a horrible, horrible feeling that's going to happen again. Yeah, they, um, those comparisons were made as soon as Corbyn became aye, the, the aye, Labour leader, aye. basically. Yeah, and it's it's really bleak if you are in the rest of the United Kingdom and you support progressive, left of centre, social democrat, or socialist policies, because you've got no chance in hell of any of them getting implemented. Because the lesson that we seem to be getting from the voters in the other parts of the United Kingdom is that the only way that the Labour Party... The only the only Labour majority that we've had in the past 40 years was Tony Blair. And the only way, it seems, the lesson that we're learning is that the only way that the Labour Party can get elected in England is if they ape the Tories. That yeah, seems that's to what happened last year. That's, that's the lesson that we've learned here, you know. So... This whole message of the Labour Party in Scotland about, you know, we've got to show solidarity with, you know, working class people in England. Well, I'm sorry, but working class people in England have just kicked us in the groin, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's solidarity isn't a suicide pact. 
and it seems that the Labour Party in Scotland, their vision their vision for people in Scotland is that, that we are the airbag in the car crash of English politics. And there has to, no, sorry, but there has to be something better than that. So I think there's going to have to be a lot of serious thinking within the Labour Party in Scotland. Where the hell do they go now? Yeah, I mean, Kezia Dugdale increased the share of the vote, didn't she? Uh, or increased the seats that she had in her... Well, she didn't election. do very well at all. No, she didn't do well, but she took it from one to seven or oh, something yeah. along those lines. And she was the point is she was forced out after that. Yeah. So you can't imagine Richard Leonard um, staying on, especially when he he was pretty much Corbyn's man, isn't he? Well, exactly. Yeah, and I think he's it's it's just desperate. They've already I noticed last night they were trotting out the, both the Labour and the and the, the Tories were trotting out the federalism theory. Who's going to wave a sparkly wand? Here we go again. Here we go again. Another vow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's only the Labour Party in Scotland and the Tory Party in Scotland that ever talk about the federalism theory. Mm-hmm. You know, it, she never ever puts in an appearance in the Labour Party in England or the Tory Party in England. So it's a complete non-starter. It's just not going to happen. And how many times can they try and flog this? You know, it's just it's just one of the things that they wheel out when they're when well, they're desperate. Exactly. It's like it's yeah. like um, it's like um, when a party starts talking about pensions, it's like the last resort kind of thing. Oh, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. get the older yeah. vote on side, uh, oh, yeah. uh, and the people approaching older age, give them some sort of doubt and uncertainty about their future financial situation, and scare them into voting for you. It's got some other kind of things did, to that. Did you watch the last? Did you watch Murdo Fraser? I heard a little bit of him on the that radio about two in the morning or something, but I, I, I didn't see him on the telly. No. Well, basically, what he was saying was that the Labour, uh, because when the exit poll came out, um, and it was said like fifty. I mean, obviously, they never made fifty-five, but the exit poll said fifty-five for the SNP, and he was like, "Oh, but that's still not. That's not. That's not good. That's not good. That's that's because they never they got fifty-six in two thousand and fifteen. Yeah, I know. I heard another <laughs> Scottish Tory on the radio last night. I, I didn't get his name, sorry. And he, what was it? He was saying that. Um, Oh God, I've lost my train of thought. I can't, you carry on. I'll, move, I'll maybe come back to me. But yeah, the Tories have just—they're now that what they're saying today. I've noticed is that well, it doesn't matter uh, what the SNP say because you know they didn't get fifty percent of the vote, so they don't have a mandate. Yeah, that was it. He, he said that um, they had failed to lock Boris Johnson out well, of number ten. Go. I mean, yeah. what what more could they have done? I mean, okay, they could have got fifty plus what they were projected to get initially. But even if fifty they, plus, would even have if they get fifty nine, you know. Yeah, I know. There's, I mean, if Labour can't hold up their side of the bargain, then well, exactly. Uh, then the, you've got. No chance. You, you can't win constituencies you don't feel candidates in. But now they're desperately trying to say that the SNP doesn't have a mandate for another independence. Because they never campaigned for it. As if the SNP hasn't been campaigning well, for exactly. independence since it started. But the Tories did. That's the, I know. the Tories they did. They put it on the ballot paper. They had a, that was all they spoke about <laughs> in Scotland. Was no, t- no vote, Boris. Vote, no Brexit. No, a vote for Nicola Sturgeon. A vote for Indian F2. <laughs> the Tories kept telling us Take that. it off the ballot paper. No, that, no. That's what... Yeah. Um, uh, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I think they ought to be held to their promises. You know, exactly. if, they're, if they're that determined that I Alex Salmond has to be held to you know held to account for things that he said in the 2014 referendum about it being once in a generation. Then definitely that applies to Jackson Carlaw. Yeah, definitely. So, but the other thing is, of course, that the 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 Tories have won this election in the UK with I think 45 percent of the vote. Yeah, it's only gone up 1.2 percent from the last election. Uh, The SNP have won it with 46 percent of the vote. 
You know, the SNP have got eighty percent of the seats in Scotland. I can't remember. I'm not sure what the percentage is that the Tories have got in, in the rest uh, in the UK as a whole, but it's certainly not eighty percent. Forty-five you know, or something, something like that. So, like, who's got the who's got the mandate here? Mm-hmm. So, if the Tories are trying to argue that you know that they have a mandate for Brexit, they can't in the same breath say that the SNP doesn't have a mandate for another independence referendum. So they're going to try, though. I mean, there was Claire Fox of the Brexit Party, I was watching her on Sky News this morning, trying to, you know, trying to London-splain Scottish politics to Pat Kane, mm-hmm. saying that oh, but you know, I oh, I heard that you know they didn't, the SNP didn't campaign for another independence referendum. But my friends in Scotland told me that. Oh, please, I mean, give us peace. Give us I mean, peace, I think it's me. fair to say that they deprioritised it for the last couple of weeks of the campaign. They they put it third behind locking Boris Johnson out of number ten and behind Brexit, but. To claim that they haven't campaigned on independence is just—it's just willful ignorance, Absolute isn't nonsense. it? It's just but that's what the, that's the desperation that they've got to, mm-hmm. because they know that when there's an independence vote, they're going to lose. You know, I mean, they were very arrogant about an independence referendum in 2012, 2013, because I mean, people in Better Together were saying they they, they were going to get 75 percent of the vote, mm-hmm. they were going to crush. Yeah. Independence forever. Same with Brexit. Well, exactly. <laughs> same setup. And now, look what's happened. You know, now when we have an independence referendum, we're going into it with a majority, because I'm convinced that what we'll start to see now is majorities for independence and opinion polls, because we can no longer. The Lib Dems, for example, and a lot of people in the Labour Party have been trying to tell us for, for the past couple of years that it is possible for Scotland not to have Brexit and still be a part of the United Kingdom. That's no longer an option. Mm -hmm. Brexit is going to happen. England is getting what England voted for. Scotland isn't. You know, and it's no longer possible for them to avoid that. That that's the stark reality that we're in. And all the opinion polls have said, you know, that if Boris Johnson becomes Prime Minister and if he takes us out of the European Union, that they would vote. For Scottish independence, and it's going to be whatever kind of Brexit he exactly. wants now. Exactly, because there's nothing to restrain him. Mm-hmm. You know, there's absolutely nothing to restrain. No him. damn Parliament to do its job no. and hold the no. executive no. to account. No. And I think that we're in for some very dark times in the United Kingdom. Really, I really, you know, I, I, I do feel like this is Margaret Thatcher all over again, only worse. You know, and believe me, it was pretty, pretty dreadful the first time round. You know, so. But I do feel quite confident that at the end of this road, we will achieve an independent Scotland. You know, I just I keep remembering. You know, I've said this before, but I just keep remembering what you know it was like back in 1979 when Scottish opinion was kind of evenly divided on whether we wanted a parliament. You know, and the experience of Tory rule showed us that. We do. <laughs> we need. We can do better. And it turned, you know, that kind of equivocal. I maybe I maybe no support for a, a, for devolution into a banged on stonking majority for it. And Boris Johnson's going to do the same for independence. I'm convinced of that. Yeah, I mean the the polls have already kind of shifted in favour of yes over the course of this year, and uh, I think the point that you were making in there as well is that we started at. A kind of lower base last time, and yes. we'll go into this one. I mean, at worst, 50 50, just shy of 50 50, or something like that. And then you've got all the campaigning to do, uh, which you would hope that um, we could see similar increases from 
across the campaign yeah, last time, and then that that would be got to tell us. Uh, pensions, <laughs> pensions. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But, but before we even get to that stage, of course, we uh, we have to see how it's going to play out because um, Nicola Sturgeon's obviously going to seek. She didn't say permission. She used a different word. She's going to uh, seek the the right to have yeah. a, a Section Thirty order and call an independence referendum. Uh, and it looks like the Tories are just going to kind of oh, yeah. straight back that away. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, First of all, what the Tory spin on it is, on how Scotland doesn't have a mandate for independence and um, they do, and what they actually do with it. Yeah, because yeah. Um, Sturgeon kind of put the ball into Johnson's court this morning. Yeah, yeah. So, she okay. said basically that she demands that the powers for another independence referendum are transferred to Holyrood. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnson hasn't responded to that. It was noticeable actually in his victory speech that he didn't mention Scotland at all. He doesn't care about Scotland. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care doesn't, about Scotland. Doesn't care. And now he doesn't need Scotland. No, exactly. Exactly. But we, I mean, we're focusing on Scotland, obviously, but it's also significant that for the first time ever since 1922, uh, unionists have lost control of Northern Ireland. Yeah. And yeah. that's hugely significant. So the two remain voting nations or parts of nations in the case of Northern Ireland and the United Kingdom have voted against the Tories they've voted against the Tories and their allies and it's a reaction to uh, in part to the UP getting in bed with the Tories it's um, similarly to Scotland uh, the perception that they're just neglected by the Union and Westminster doesn't care I mean they've not even had a parliament for I mean how long has it been now? Uh, three years and nobody seems to care about no. that nobody seems yeah. to be doing anything in the no. uh, Nigel UK Dodds lost his seat Nigel Dodds but that, that's, that's again what I'm saying yeah, since that's, that's one of the reactions <laughs> um, but yeah I, and it, it just Northern Ireland being a, a plaything during yeah. the Brexit negotiations when it doesn't have a parliament just all these things together I mean it's no it's no surprise that Northern Ireland has, has, has reacted in the way it has so I was uh, last night on Twitter um Irish Unification and Indian F2 are both trending. So Yeah, I heard somebody, I can't remember who it was, the multitude of commentators I saw last night, but somebody said that they thought that Irish Unification is a more distinct possibility than um, Scottish Independence now. Uh, possibly. I think I'd say it's, it's, it's an even call. But yeah, I, I think both of them, I think the United Kingdom as we knew it mm-hmm. is is gone, yeah, and that's what that election told us last night. You know that, that that Scotland is a very different country politically from the rest of the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. That people in England want Brexit done, fine. That's what you voted for. That's what you can get. But people in Scotland don't have to be dragged out with it, yeah. you know. And that's what we are now. We now have a fight on our hands mm-hmm. in order to assert the right yeah. of Scotland to be a nation, really, yeah. because. We've always been told, you know, the historic understanding of Scottish Unionism was that Scotland is a voluntary part of a family of nations. It's this partnership that they keep telling us about. Well, if that's the case, then you can't deny us the right Mm -hmm. to have a decision on our own future. The divergence between what Scotland votes for and what Scotland gets has never been... It's pretty stark. It's never been We could always tell ourselves that in five years' time we'd get a government that we voted for, but Brexit's forever. Mm-hmm. And now it's a Tory Brexit, it's a Boris Johnson Brexit, it's a Brexit that is completely unrestrained. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to get. You know, we're in for trade deals with Donald Trump, who was very quick to congratulate Boris Johnson this morning. You know, uh, so it's not looking good at all. You know, the, and uh, and this is another point that I've made before that 
a lot of older people particularly voted against independence because of the, what they saw as the, the, the good things about the British state, you know, things like universal education, mm -hmm. pensions, you know, the NHS, all these things that were a product of the post-war settlement. The Tories have destroyed that now. Mm. The Tories have torn that up. And paradoxically, if you want to protect those supposedly British things, you can only do it in an independent Scotland. That's where we are now. This, the end of the United Kingdom isn't coming about because of anything particularly that the Yes movement or the SNP's done. It's coming about because of the Tories. The Tories have destroyed it. That you know, was it that that saying that you always kill the things you love? You yeah, know? and that's what they've done. Yeah, it's so depressing, especially when you see uh, the likes of the Red Wall falling and all these people who whose ideologies are nowhere near that of the Tories, yet still voting for them because. Jeremy Corbyn's not credible. Yeah, I, th I also think to kind of go back to Labour a little bit. I think one of the issues as well. I actually do think Labour, for large parts, focused on the correct issues. I just think that this election wasn't about those issues, and it didn't sit well against the populism and the slogans of no. the "Get Brexit Done" and all that kind of stuff. That's what that that was the much more well, I have effective to say strategy. The, the, the media did spectacularly badly. The UK media was atrocious in this, this election campaign. Mm -hmm. You know, one, one example, just one out of many, is that a former Conservative Prime Minister, a former Conservative Chancellor of the Exchequer, and a former Conservative Deputy Prime Minister, um, uh, John Major... Uh, Heseltine? Hesseltine and Kenneth Clark all said don't vote Tory, mm -hmm. don't vote for Boris Johnson, don't vote for this, this is not the Conservative Party that's massive that's huge, you know that, that a former Conservative Prime Minister, that these grandees of the Conservative Party are telling people not to vote Tory yeah. that was mad, but it, I don't think it, it, it barely mentioned it barely mentioned in the, in the news and instead, some Labour non-entity, I think it was Ian Austin, saying don't vote for Jeremy Corbyn, that was plastered all over the news. That got more publicity yeah, yeah. than a former yeah. Tory Prime Minister I know, saying don't I know. vote Tory. I, I do think that he, uh, Corbyn got, he, he definitely gets more of a rough ride in the media. I mean, I'm no, big, I'm no Corbyn fan or no, anything like that. He was but talking about I, that today, I actually. do have some sympathy in those uh, respects because... Well, now they know what it feels like to be Scottish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, because some of this stuff was just beyond the pale. And like you say, um, there's more examples of that. It's just the, the anti-Semitism versus Islamophobia well, exactly. thing. Yeah. It's just one yeah. gets way I more mean, attention than the other. Boris Johnson has made numerous racist comments. Islamophobic comments Islamophobic, included. Islamophobic, racist comments, homophobic comments, mm -hmm. you know. Um, Anti-Scottish. I mean, the list goes on. You could be here all day. speaking as a tank-topped bumboy, I'm very, <laughs> very pleased to see that some of the homophobes in the Tory party were voted out. I'm talking about you, Stephen Kerr. So, yeah. Uh, but those comments that Boris Johnson has made, you know, and nobody has ever found similar comments from Jeremy Corbyn. But the focus was all on Jeremy Corbyn and anti-Semitism and not on the blatant racism and bigotry from from Boris Johnson mm -hmm. it was it was shocking it yeah. was really shocking Boris Johnson actually wrote a novel in which he talked about the, the Jews control of the media 
You know, that's a classic anti-Semitic yeah, trope. Classic anti-Semitism. Yeah, and it's one of the main ones. Yeah, all just, the conspiracy theories. Say, oh, that's just Boris yeah. being lovable, a lovable rogue. Yeah, you I know. know, I know. And it's shocking, but you know that. But there's definitely the, well, the Labour Party discovered the double standards that the Scottish independence movement has noticed for quite some time. I mean, this is something that we mentioned before in this, this podcast. Actually, that's double standards that you know that that. that Independent supporters are held to a, a higher standard than opponents of independence. Attacks on independent supporters are just kind of brushed off. But you know, when you know somebody just looks the wrong way at a unionist MP, it's all of a sudden it's, it's the front page, and you know, it's, and, and it's the front page in the papers, and it gets a, it gets a special edition of Report yep. in Scotland. Yeah, of course. And the media in Scotland, I think, needs to take a long, hard look at itself over how it's been acting over the past few months. Uh, the BBC, for example, focused almost solely on the failures, failures of the SNP. There was a appalling report on Report in Scotland during the week, um, talking about Neil Handy and Kirkcaldy. Uh, you know, they were pursuing him as though you know, doorstepping the guy. Mm. Now, after he had refused a number of their calls as well, like they just went and doorstepped him anyway. The point is that. Now you could say that quite legitimately that what Neil Hanvey was the only you know the only rejected candidate who was still actively campaigning. That's true, and yeah, but they never mentioned during that report that other candidates from other parties, more candidates from other parties, had also mm-hmm. been suspended. I think for, there was a Labour one on the same day. There was, yeah. aye, there was. There might be three on the same there day from three different parties. Uh-huh. There, yeah. was, there was numerous instances from other parties mm-hmm. and that never got a mention at all uh-huh. in that report. And, and it was the perception was given very clearly that this is a problem for the SNP mm-hmm. and not for all the other parties. Mm-hmm. And they also gave Leslie Laird time to sit there and claim that the SNP was still actively supporting Neil Hanvey. And then obviously at a UK level you had some prominent journalists just... Um, Tweeting out well, exactly. uh, lines of spin from right, the from Tory without, sources, with, senior without Tory even sources, checking them. Without checking. Now, I don't like some. Unlike some people, I don't actually blame Laura Koonsberg and uh, Preston for 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 saying that because if that was true, that this you know the allegation that this Tory aid was punched, if that was true, that's news. That's big news. Mm-hmm. But what they didn't do, they, they just oh, we're sorry, we got it wrong, and that was it. And they refused to name these sources that had fed them yeah. deliberately uh-huh. fed them yeah. false. I think news. Robert Peston apologised, but right. he didn't. He didn't reveal the source. Right. Or anything like that, but but he, the, he did apologise. The point is that by not revealing the sources, they're not making sure that there's a consequence for that behaviour, yeah. and it legitimises it and it allows them to do yeah. it again. Uh-huh. But the thing is, the, um, the 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 gains that the Tories make from that being reported in the first place outweighs exactly. the damage that the correction does because exactly. the correction is exactly. never as prominent so it, they, they win from it and that's why the media the, the big failure of the media was to fail to ensure that there were consequences for the Tories lies mm-hmm. because you know they didn't like for example Boris Johnson refused to be held to account he refused to do that interview with Andrew Neil, despite the fact that all the other party leaders had agreed to do it on the understanding that Boris Johnson was going to do it as well you know, and Boris Johnson then went, eh, no, change my mind, ha, 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 nothing you can do about it. And then the BBC let him go on the Andrew Marshall anyway. Yeah, I know, you know? I know. They shouldn't have done that. I they know. should, what the BBC should have done 
is to make sure that Boris Johnson and his team understood that the consequences for refusing that interview were going to be worse for them than doing the interview. And instead, within a couple of days, I think they were given extended coverage of his campaign and they all but ignored the SNP's uh, bus launch on the same day. I think they gave it... 15 yeah. seconds of airtime or something yeah. like that. And that was the other problem. You know, we, we that was his reward. <laughs> we, we live in a society where anti-independence parties have ensured that Scotland doesn't have control of the broadcast media and that same media basically did its utmost to sideline and marginalise the biggest party in Scotland from the campaign. And that's unforgivable. So the media, I think, was the biggest failure, the biggest loser in this campaign, apart from the Labour Party. Because it's it's now there's now a widespread perception, which started in Scotland and has now spread to the rest of the United Kingdom, that the media is not doing its job properly. You know, and we live in a country, we live in a state where there isn't a written constitution, where Boris Johnson is in effect an elected dictator, that there is going to be no checks and balances on what that man can do with mm-hmm. this unlimited power that he's been given. So we rely even more on a media that holds power to account mm-hmm. and they're failing dismally in their yeah, job. Yeah, I, I think so. even to, to add to that, um, a sign of that is the reaction to the ice sculpture that was used in his absence on uh, Channel 4 and his reaction. I, I don't know if he, did he say it? I think he might have said it himself, but the, the, the Tory team were out in force the next day saying that they were going to look at Channel 4's licence. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a, a dictator's direct, attitude. Yeah, exactly, it's a direct threat. A, 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 a media organisation does or says something that I don't like, so I, I, I consider closing it down. That's, that's what a dictator does. So we're now in a position where Boris Johnson's won a majority because he was never held properly to account by the media. Or Jeremy Corbyn, to come back to him. (laughs) At a time when we needed uh, a strong opposition leader. That's not what we've got. He wasn't there, and the SNP filled the void for him on a number of occasions. So, I think we're now in the final... You know, we're now in the final days of the United Kingdom. Well, days, I say days, it's probably couple of years yeah. but we're definitely on the way out now I think that the United Kingdom is no longer sustainable as a political entity doesn't seem so and I think that the cracks which started to show quite some time ago have now widened into chasms and I'm, I'm feeling quite confident in that respect you know unfortunately we've had to learn the hard way uh, and we're in for a bumpy ride but I'm, I have no doubt whatsoever that we will get there in the end because we're not powerless mm-hmm. you know that's the other thing the media wants us to think that Scotland's powerless and all the years oh but you know if he refuses there's nothing you know, there's lots that we can do actually if he refuses but the point is to make sure that the people in Scotland realise that he doesn't have the right the moral or political right yeah. to refuse Scotland it's democratic say that's the point and once you know I, I'm convinced that over the course of the next few months there's going to be an increasing head of steam in Scotland a lot more public anger that people will start to get really fed up with this Tory government mm-hmm. with the way that the British state is going and that there will be popular support in Scotland for alternatives routes towards an independence referendum mm-hmm. or towards independence. Yeah, even even, even some, in the face of a concerted move from Boris Johnson. Yeah, even some uh, folk from Scottish Labour in the wake of this result have been saying that Boris Johnson can't now exactly. refuse yeah, uh, yeah, an independence yeah. referendum. Yeah, there's, there's such a clear mandate for it. There's such a clear. How mandate many for elections it. do you have to win? Well, that's the fourth mandate now. <laughs> 
That's the, now the fourth mandate. But this one doesn't count because no. they didn't campaign on but it. But that one didn't count, and the one before that, and the one behind him. The one before counted because they lost some seats. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's what's the point? You know, what's the point in the United Kingdom if, you know, if it doesn't matter how you vote? Yeah. You know. So I'm convinced that we will start to see majorities for independence and opinion polls. We're definitely leaving the European Union now. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a busy year next year. <laughs> Tell me about it. It's going to be a busy year for the independence movement. So just when you thought you could relax a wee bit. I know, I know. It keeps the subs and the, and the sales coming that's in, true. I suppose. That's true. But yeah, so, well, there's no more events anyway from, until the new year. Uh, personally, I'm going to try and unwind a bit because mm-hmm. I've just been run off my feet for the past few weeks. Yep. Although there's plenty uh, parliamentary stuff to be done between there now is, and the, the yeah, turn of the year there is, in the short is, time we have. For the rest of the day, I'm just going to go and stuff my face with sushi and binge watch The Expanse. Quite right. That's my plan. <laughs> yeah, we should probably apologise if there's been any background noise in this. I think there's been a conference call going in in the, the next room. Yeah, somebody really unhappy about the Tories. The they? joys oh. of uh, recording in a busy newsroom sometimes. Yeah, I think it was. I think they're on a direct call to Loch Ness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we haven't covered that yet. No, we, we haven't mentioned we've, that. Uh, no. We've dodged a bullet. We dodged a bullet with Ruth Davis and Skinny Dip. The she Ness. was crapping herself for a wee while last night. Oh, no. I mean, she's she, a, she she's wouldn't have done it, obviously. She, no, but she would have found something. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Excuse, but no, she... Uh, like, the Neil Hamby one doesn't count. For, for, it's actually uh, 49. For, for it was a win-win. You know, it was a win-win for her anyway. Yeah. Because look at me, I got publicity. Publicity, you know. yeah, exactly. But it wouldn't have happened because Scottish Water has very firm regulations about putting toxic waste in walks. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> anyway, I think that's us. And uh, we'll be back next week with more of... the. Craziness that passes for politics in the United Kingdom and dreaming of a bit of sanity in an independent Scotland. Yeah, there's much more of both to come. All right, and bye for now. Cheers.